Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. Hello, Cougar Nation. Handoff middle. First down. Touchdown! And listen to the Cougar Nation. Every Monday night, we break down the Cougars' last game, the coaches and players, and look ahead to next week. Here's BYU insider Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio. BYU football is about to embark on a new era, a power conference era in the Big 12. It's only fitting that we launch a new era here on KSL. Welcome in to Cougar Nation, your weekly look into BYU football. As you heard, I'm your BYU insider for KSL Sports, Mitch Harper. Joining me is my Cougar Sports Saturday co-host, Matt Biamonte. This is going to be a lot of fun, Matt's enjoying this new era of Cougar football here on Cougar Nation. All season long, we'll be joining you every Monday night, 6 to 7. You know what it means? The fact that we're debuting the show right here and right now is that football is right around the corner. And for this BYU football program, Mitch, there's been a lot of change since the last time they stepped foot on the gridiron. Expectations are low for this team heading into their first year in the Big 12 Conference, predicted to finish 11th in the preseason media poll But the great thing is, Matt, is there's opportunities to play spoiler. BYU's been waiting for this stage for so long. You think back to the days when Lavelle Edwards first took the sidelines in 1972. The last five decades, BYU football has been waiting for this moment. And it's finally here. And there's going to be a lot of new faces, as you noted. New defensive staff led by Jay Hill. He brings in Kelly Papinga, Sione Bauha, former Utah star, former BYU linebacker Justin Enna, coaching the linebackers, then General Guilford is retained on the cornerbacks. But no new face is more notable than Cougar Nation's starting quarterback, that being Keaton Slovis. You know, all these plays and all these things we do, for the most part, stuff I've run. It's nothing new. I mean, the stuff that is new is just slight variations of stuff I've already done. So I feel like I've been here for a lot longer than I have. A lot, you know, thanks in part to Coach Arog, calling plays I'm familiar with, you know, and, and really I don't think there's any plays that aren't. Slovis comes in from USC and Pitt, and he's going to be your QB1 for this BYU football team in 2023. And Matt, I think now as we open up this show, we got to get into our takeaways from what we've learned in fall camp. Cougar Nation takeaways. Mitch and Matt analyze BYU's last week of practice and BYU's prep for opening night. We'll do this all season long, Cougar Nation, giving you our takeaways at the top of the show. No football games being played yet, but we have been down at BYU fall camp all throughout the month of August. So we got some takeaways as camp concludes tomorrow. So preparation for Sam Houston is basically underway at this point for BYU football. Camp in the rearview mirror. Here's my first takeaway, Mitch. 
and there's a there's a lot of takeaways to be had. But man, this running back room is fantastic for BYU. I've loved what I've seen. You've got Aiden Robbins, RB one, the transfer from UNLV. He looks dynamic, especially in short yarded situations. You bring back Falauru Potty, who has a nice shiftiness to him. Deion Smith has provided a burst. He looks to be someone who can contribute. And then Aaron Roderick has mentioned true freshman LJ Martin as a guy who's going to play this year. So this running back room is deep. They're going to be relied upon. And I've been really impressed with what they have. Uh, Harvey Unga and that offensive staff have done a nice job of filling the cupboard with a lot of talent. It might be crazy to say, but BYU in the Kalani Satake era has been kind of like a running back U. Jamal Williams, Tyson Williams, Chris Brooks is having success in the NFL right now with the Dolphins. Aiden Robbins looks to be that next star for BYU. But as you noted, there's a lot of options for BYU at the running back unit. I've also been impressed with Keaton Slovis, who you heard, he feels completely comfortable with this offense. I'll admit, Matt, when BYU got him, I thought, is BYU getting a broken quarterback, a quarterback that's on his third team in three years? He had poor stats last year at Pitt, but it does feel like him being paired up with Aaron Roderick in this offense that's produced NFL QBs and Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, Keaton Slovis feels very comfortable, and he's embraced BYU uh, to the tune where you almost feel like he's been a BYU guy for years. Yeah. He's even attended church with some of his teammates. This Keenan Slovis has been very impressive, and his arm talent has been impressive in camp. I'm curious to see how it translates to games in the fall, but early returns on Slovis have been very impressive. And he's got to be good for this BYU team to have any chance at getting to a bowl game, which is how I would define this inaugural season as being a success. So we want to hear from you, Cougar Nation. What does this team need to do? in 2023 to have a successful season. There's a couple ways you can interact with the show. You can text us 57500. You can tweet us, Mitch underscore Harper, at Biamonte Matt. And for the first time since you and I have been here talking BOU football, you can call us 801-575-TALK. 801-575-8255. We want to hear from you. What does this team need to do to have a successful season, Cougar Nation, let us know. You mentioned Slovis, Mitch. Uh, he has looked good. You mentioned his stats, uh, stats at Pitt as well. His completion percentage has dipped in all of his last four seasons. That's got to change if this team wants to be good. But the good news is you noted, and I agree with you, he's looked great in full camp. He has complete control, and he's got the weapons around him, including an offensive line, which is another takeaway of mine. This offensive line looks very deep. They're still trying to sort out who's going to be center, who's going to be left guard, but you've got a left tackle, a bookend left tackle, who's getting rave reviews as someone who could be potentially a first-round NFL draft pick. That line, I, I, they are big. I, I don't want to say it's, the, it's they have potential to be the best we've ever seen because I feel like we've said that quite often in recent years. But they kind of do. Like they've they've got the talent to be one of the one of the best off offensive lines that the Cougars have ever put on the field. They look good getting off the bus. I mean, they they pass yeah. the eye test as far as what a Big Twelve offensive line should look like. You bring in Caleb Etienne from Oklahoma State, who I would believe is going to be your projected starter at right tackle. Kingsley is very good. Connor Pay, Paul Miley, who is the starting center at Utah. BYU's got a wealth of Power Five experience along that offensive line, and high-end talent, too. You know, it, it's interesting when we talk about the talent on this team. BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick feels there's been a lot of upgrades with this group. We're not game-ready yet, but we have a good team. We have 
upgraded at every position on offense this year. We're, let's say, quarterbacks, you know, replacing a good player, so that's probably a wash, but I feel like we're stronger at every position group on our team than we were a year ago. You buying that, Matt? No, I'm not buying that. Uh, I think in certain position groups, they're improved. I'm glad he did clarify the quarterback situation because Jaron Hall was great. He was he was a fantastic quarterback for BYU. I got to see Slovis get back to his 2019 year at USC before I can say that's that's a wash. I mean, that's that's a tall order. We're talking about a dude who's drafted in the NFL. But offensive line, they could be an upgrade. Running back, I think so. Wide receiver is the one group where they've got the talent. Can they stay healthy and will it come together? I'm not quite ready to say that's a complete upgrade because last year they had some some nice production as well, but they bring some of those guys back. And you lost Puka Nakua, who's maybe the second best receiver. He got in held history. out of the second preseason game. The Rams think that highly of Puka that they're like, we don't want you to play anymore. We know what you can do. It's hard to envision. BYU's wide receiver unit being an upgrade from last season. But I will say to Roderick's what he's been saying about the upgrades, I think there's more options. There's more depth. Last year, you saw a lot of injuries to the wide receiver unit. And BYU never had its full collection of talent. And there were some glaring weaknesses in that receiving unit. This year, it feels like there's some more depth when you add in UConn transfer Keelan Marion, who might be the best deep threat in that receiver unit. You bring in Darius Lassiter from Eastern Michigan. You bring back Cody Epps who had a brief stint in the transfer portal for about 48 hours, there's options. And then I think the best receiver out of the group might be Chase Roberts, a redshirt sophomore out of American Fork High School, who also a pretty good deep threat as well. Defensively, Matt, Jay Hill comes in as the defensive coordinator. I've been very impressed with his intensity in practice. He's very vocal on these practice fields. What have you taken away from the defense? It's been great. I, 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 the, the energy's been fantastic, and all the players and coaches say this is going to be a new scheme. It's going to be a new look. They're going to be aggressive. That's a word we've heard over and over again, aggressive. That's got to be music to the ears of Cougar Nation to have a change of pace defensively. I think we're going to see that in less than two weeks. Last year was was bad defensively. I mean, I think Cougar fans and Cougar Nation were ready to pull their hair out. And many times last season with the conservative approach to the defense. This year, that's going to change. There's going to be games where BYU gives up a lot of points and gives up a lot of yards. But I think Cougar fans are going to come away from games feeling like they went down swinging. Because yeah. losses are going to happen. This is the Big 12 where... I truly believe, Matt, this is the toughest schedule BYU has ever played. You've never played a schedule with 10 Power 5 opponents. It's going to be a week-in, week-out grind, but I like how aggressive this scheme appears to be. It's going to be a 4-3 base look. You're going to have some nickel packages with some 4-2-5 personnel. There's some intriguing options, but one question that they do have to fill between now and Sam Houston on September 2nd, the starter at safety. They lost yeah. Micah Harper, who was the hard-hitting Tough. playmaker. He went down with an ACL injury, second-season-ending injury in three years. That's a big blow to Jay Hill's scheme, but I still believe they've got the options necessary to fill the gap if, if needed. We're getting text 57500, and you can call us as well, 801-575-TALK. We'll get to your text. We'll get to your calls on the other side. It's Cougar Nation every Monday night here throughout football season, 6 to 7 p.m. here on K. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Cell News Radio. Cougar Nation. A 75 yard touchdown run down the far sideline. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte with you on this maiden voyage here on Cougar Nation. And one of the reasons we wanted to launch this show throughout the BYU football season is because we want the voice of Cougar Nation heard in this special era of. Big 12 play for the Cougars, and that means we're going to have phone calls as part of this program. Let's get out to our first phone call. we got Tyson, who wants to talk about the loss of Micah Harper to BYU Secondary. What's your takeaways on the loss of Harper, Tyson? Well, Mitch, every time that I look at Micah Harper's name on Twitter, my mind would automatically like reset to make it look like it was named Mitch Harper. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the secondary. You know, the Big 12's got a lot of good passing attacks. You know, they've got a lot of good receivers. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, from what you guys have seen from practice, if uh, BYU's going to be pretty decent in the defensive secondary, because uh, especially with the loss of Micah Harper, you know, I have my concerns. That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair concern. I think uh, as far as secondary goes on the outside, I love what I'm seeing from Eddie Heckard. I love what I'm seeing Tyson from – Jacob Robinson, they're going to be good. And I think one thing that brings me a little optimism and hope is Jay Hill on numerous occasions has pointed out Talon Alfrey as a guy, even before the loss of Micah Harper, as someone who's going to contribute in a big way. No doubt Harper's a big loss, Mitch, but I think Alfrey is someone that this staff is really high on. Up on KSLSports.com, I put together a lot of the personnel that are options for this BYU team at safety. I even tossed out some position changes, so I highly recommend you go check out kslsports.com. One of those players, Heckard, Eddie Heckard coming in from Weber State, I look at that as a move where if you potentially switch him over to safety from cornerback, you know, I feel like Heckard potentially projects the best at safety in the NFL. Maybe also an Ammon Hanneman who started week one last year yep. at safety. But Jay Hill did say in spring that, Ammon Hanneman at linebacker is now at his home, but the options at that position are, are very limited. Then you're turning to maybe a, a red sh- or a true freshman in Raider DeMooney who hasn't flashed as quickly as you would expect for a heralded prospect coming out of Tempview High School. Take it some time getting back from the mission legs for Raider DeMooney. We're taking your calls, Cougar Nation, 801-575-TALK. Right now we got another call, Mitch. This is Mark. I said earlier, my expectations for a successful season, getting to a bowl game. Mark in South Jordan, what are your expectations for a successful year for Cougar football? A little higher than that. Uh, We're in the Big 12, and we've wanted this forever. Uh, And now we've got to perform like we have been trying to get in there for the last 40 years. So eight and four and a bowl game that we show up for. Win or lose, let's show up for the bowl games. We haven't done that. I like that and take. Puka Nakua, 
um, is a is a big loss for sure. But he he uh, you know I remember him as a Cougar dropping the Notre Dame uh, uh, catch that would have maybe won that game. So I, I don't disagree that we're probably better off as a receiving core. Thanks for that take, Mark. Line. Thanks for that take, Mark. Uh, eight and four for BYU. You Ooh. know you can draw up a path, Matt. Yes. This schedule, first year in the Big Twelve. There's a lot of tough games. Can't, but I will say this: Don't put Kansas on the list. Kansas got an explosive offense. They've got a nice quarterback. I think there's going to be a, a lot of pressure back. to perform well in that debut Big Twelve game, September 23rd, and all the action, of course, will be heard here on KSL News Radio. But th- there's some games where it's just it's 50-50 football every single week, yeah. and the margins are thin for BYU. But if they can maintain the health, and I know Micah Harper's loss. That's not a good start when it comes to maintaining your key personnel, but you can drop a path to BYU getting eight wins in, in year one of the Big 12, I think. Absolutely. But to set that as the expectation, to me, that's a little unrealistic, yeah. and you're setting yourself up for a potential heartbreaking season. Like, let's not forget, other teams that have made this transition to big boy football, one right up the street from us here in Salt Lake City, did not get to a bowl game in their first year. Okay, so keep that in context. They did in their first year. It was, it was the second years year. two okay. and three. They yes. Did it. Yeah. So look, it's it's not easy to make the jump and to getting to a bowl game with this type of competition is it's it's a tall task. And I think down the road, eight and four is more fair. But in your first year going to the Big Twelve, where you have more Power Five teams than you've played ever. Six and six would be very nice. I will say though, I think the knowing that Utah is joining the league next year, it puts on a greater pressure. I think for to sure. this program to have an impactful year one to where you may you let it be known to the to the recruits out here locally that BYU is ready to play at a high level in the Big Twelve. Utah, I think, is coming in thinking they're just going to step into the Big 12 and be this Goliath from day one. I disagree with that. I think there's really good football in the Big 12. You look at what TCU's doing from a recruiting perspective. They're a top 20 recruiter. Sonny Dykes isn't slowing down anytime soon. I think Baylor's going to be really good this year. UCF could be maybe a, a, a potential juggernaut in this league with the Florida background. So, I, But I think that that adds an element here where there is this uh, quicker sense of urgency to perform well because Utah, the rival, is joining in 2024. Yeah, and look, BYU is on a very good run of success since the COVID-19 pandemic. Like They used that year to their advantage. I know the competition wasn't great, but they had a great year, and there's been momentum ever since. Last year, maybe a slight step backwards, but still enough positivity there, especially with the NFL draft success, that on the recruiting trail, there's momentum. And you're right, Mitch, it's a great point, that if they take a step back in this first year... They could be undoing a lot of goodwill that they've built up on the recruiting trail these past couple of years. So there is added pressure with expansion to at least get to six and six, seven, five, eight, and four would be uh, much, much better. There's an example last year too in the Big Twelve of a team coming out of nowhere and getting to the national championship. That was TCU. Yep. They went five and seven in 2021 last year, undefeated. Got to the Big Twelve title game, but then ended up in the playoff and played in the national title. I'm not saying BYU's going to have that. But this league, that's what's great about the Big 12. Even with this one year with Texas and Oklahoma on the schedule, it feels like anyone can win it. And I I feel like the Big 12 conference is just kind of this fan-friendly league where any game, anything can happen. And I think that's why a lot of people are very interested to see 
what this new iteration of the Big 12 can look like in 2023. Yeah, and it's it's fair to be hopeful in that regard because we've seen it the past couple of years. Like two years ago, Baylor and Oklahoma State were clawing to the bitter end to see who's going to win that Big 12, and neither of them was even in the thick of it last year with TCU and K-State. So it's it's the Big 12 is up for grabs, like you said, but we also have to set expectations properly. Let's not forget that this is Power 5 football. BYU has never played a season as a Power 5 team. That's upcoming. And so I'm all for, look, 8-4 and four to me, I don't know if I'm ready to pick that. I definitely think it's doable, but I'm not going to say anything short of 8-4 and four is a disappointment because that is unfair to the task because it's a tall task, Mitch. If this roster was playing an independent schedule or the Mountain West or WAC, I'd feel comfortable saying this is a 10-win ten? Ten team. Yeah. It's just the unknown of how BYU navigates the Power 5 schedule and also the week in, week out. And also, BYU has had a lot of issues with injuries. Last year, they were 130th nationally in the amount of different starters they had last year. Some of that was coaching decisions, yes, but a lot of that was injuries. That's why Kalani Satake revamped his strength and conditioning staff. They brought in Ryan Phillips from Purdue, brings in a new. Uh, individualized approach. They've also got Doc Skyler Maine. They've got a lot of new people in that uh, performance staff. Colby Clawson as well, former BYU linebacker, because they knew injuries have been an issue for this program. They've got to stay healthy if they want to have any chance of getting to eight, nine wins in year one of the Big 12. I will say, to end this segment on a high note, you mentioned TCU and the success they had. What did they do last year and what have they done again they went heavy into the portal. Mm. This BYU team went heavy into the portal. A lot of new faces. We'll discuss those on the other side with a new segment we're calling What's Trending. That's going to be a lot of fun because, we, look, we've been at camp. What is trending up? What's trending down? And we'll keep taking your calls, Cougar Nation. 801-575-TALK. You can text us, too, if, if you don't want to call in. 57500. But man, it's isn't it great being here on a Monday night? We're talking BOU football. The season's less than two weeks away. It's awesome, man. Cannot wait. It's the inaugural episode of Cougar Nation. We're enjoying it. News, traffic, and weather coming up next, and then trending up, trending down on the other side. Cougar Nation trending. What's trending up and what's trending down this football season? We'll do this every single Monday here at 6.30 on Cougar Nation, all football season long. During the season, we'll break down more so what happened in the game, who's trending up and who's trending down. But now, in our first edition of What's Trending on Cougar Nation, Mitch, what is trending positively and negatively from what you've seen at fall camp so far? Let's start with a positive trend. What have you been seeing? The linebackers. Where they were in spring ball to now, it is a night and day difference for BYU. You look at that linebacker unit, you add A.J. Vong Pachan from Utah State. He might be the best linebacker BYU has this season. I think he's got the potential to be a 100-tackler, uh, tackle performer this season. You bring back Ben Bywater, you bring back Max Tooley, and then you have this redshirt freshman, Isaiah Glasker, who's emerging as a dynamic playmaker at the outside linebackers by six foot five, he honestly the way he plays, he's explosive. He reminds me a little bit of Kyle Van Noy, and I've, I've said that throughout camp. But he just he is a playmaker, Matt. We've seen him do that in spring ball and fall camp, and also Harrison Taggart. He's making a climb 
up the depth chart. Wouldn't be surprised if we see him as the backup to Ben Bywater at that Mac linebacker spot. Yeah, there's tremendous depth at that position to the point where, going back to our call in uh, the, in earlier part of the show with Tyson, where Am- Ammon Hanneman maybe goes back to safety. I throw Chaz you in there as well because there's such great depth. You don't need those guys there where the safety position is a place where you do need the depth. So I love that. And and you can call in still. We're still taking calls all throughout Cougar Nation. 801-575-TALK. And uh, we want to hear what you guys have to say about this upcoming football season plus expectations. One thing that's trending up for me, Mitch, is the wide receiver room looks deeper than it's ever been. Now, I don't know if you have anyone as talented as Puka Nakua. I don't know if there's anyone on this roster that's going to be taken in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft, but we did hear from Fessy Satake earlier in the week on Cougar Sports Saturday, excuse me, at the end of last week, at the end of at the end of the second scrimmage, where he said that the top six is set. But even after that, Talmadge Gunther, Hobbs Nyberg, Dom Henry's a guy who's at a good camp. There's guys even after the top six that you would be comfortable playing in Big 12 football games. So I love the depth in that wide receiver room, and it's definitely trending up. It might be a case, too, of BYU offenses of old, where you might have seven, eight, nine pass catchers that maybe there's not one clear-cut star, but there's a lot of guys that can run great routes, they can get open, they can create separation, and they can make some catches. And And I think that might be a calling card for this BYU wide receiver unit that seems to be definitely trending up. What's maybe an area that you feel could be trending down as – Three weeks have passed during fall camp. Well, I just hinted at it, but it's it's safety depth. Losing losing Harper is such a tremendous blow on many levels. One particular area that concerns me, this has not been talked about enough, is that when you're pairing a safety combination, you're looking for complementary skills, which I felt like BYU had with Malik Moore, who was a rangy sideline-to-sideline cover guy, and then Harper was that hard-hitting, run-stuffing safety, a good complement of skills. You lose Harper, I don't think there's anyone else currently in the safety room that brings the boom like Micah Harper does. I, look, I'm excited for Talon Alfrey. I can't wait to see what he can do. But his style of play is more similar to Malik Moore than I would say it is to Micah Harper. So that safety depth is a is a big concern and losing Harper makes it an easy choice for me as a, an area that's trending down. An area that's trending down for me is just simply easy access to bowl eligibility. Matt, maybe I took it for granted and just assumed BYU was always going bowling, but I just always felt that every year in Independence, yes, yes there was tough games, but I always felt like there was six wins cooked into a schedule. Unless you had a, a complete disaster of a year like you did in 2017, BYU was going to find its way to get to a bowl game, and that's no longer the case. I mean, you're going to go 10 straight weeks of tough games. And look, there's going to be some team in here that people are talking up uh, such a pedestal and that it might not play out, like maybe Texas, maybe Oklahoma, maybe TCU is a flop. K-State? Maybe. Uh, But the thing is, is that this league just has a lot of personnel that maybe it's recruited at a higher level based on the star metrics than BYU. I, I think that that's just the easy access to the postseason. Uh, maybe it's trending down. But the thing is, I think there'll be it'll be more rewarding for Cougar Nation to see BYU qualify for a bowl game this year and the years to come because you probably have to go back to, what, the early years of the Bronco Mendenhall era 
to point back to when you enjoyed or celebrated BYU qualifying for a bowl game. I remember like Bronco in 05 against Wyoming. They got to a bowl game and it ended the three-year drought. It's been a long time since you really enjoyed the journey because before it was if you don't go undefeated, oh, you're, you're going to New Mexico or you're going to this bowl game that ESPN owns. Now there's kind of all these unique options with the postseason that ensures you're going to play a Power 5 team, but you got to get to that six wins to make that happen. Let's end what's trending on a high note, Mitch. One thing that is trending up for me, and look, I could just be blue-goggled here, but I feel like the kicking game Mm. has been trending up from what we saw in spring football. In particular, Will Farron has impressed me as a guy who, he was the the long kicker on, on kickoff duty for the Broncos last year up in Boise State. Hasn't taken a lot of field goals, but he has a much better pop off the kick. And to your point about bull eligibility and how slim the margins are, I went back and looked at TCU's magical run last uh, last year. They were 5-1 and one in games decided by seven or fewer points. And their kicker, Griffin Kell, he was 17-19 and 19 on field goals. They had a backup kicker go one of two. One of the three kicks the Horned Frogs missed all year long came in the Big 12 championship game and in, in a game that they lost by three points. So in at the, at the highest level of college football, the margin is razor thin. You need to have a kicker who, when you're in field goal range, and look, it's not going to be as deep as it was with Jake Goldroyd, but if you're 43 yards and in, you got to feel like you can come away with points because that could be the difference between four and eight and eight and four. And uh, I'm... I'm happy to say that the kicking game is in a much better place today than it was at the end of spring football. I'm wanting to hold on the kickers. I, oh. I don't know if I'm willing to say they're trending up or trending down. There's been good buzz coming out of camp, but I'm going to hold until we actually see it in front of a big crowd. I will say before we get to a break, trending up this coaching staff. You know, Kalani Sataki's in year eight as the head coach at BYU. This is the staff that he, I think, envisioned when he took this job. It took a long time. BYU sometimes moves slowly to act and get things done. But every time Kalani Satake has made changes, you think about when he moved on and made that controversial decision to move on from Ty Detmer and brought in Jeff Grimes, it was an upgrade. You got Aaron Roderick in the process. The defense, I expect a huge upgrade. There's only You can only go up with this staff. Uh, they're going to be better than they were last year, but I just think this whole collection as a staff – They've got coaches that have led guys to the NFL. They've had Power 5 experience. This is an impressive staff, what BYU has down in Provo right we got to take a break. Text us 57500, and you can call us as well on Cougar Nation, 801-575-8255. We'll take your calls on the other side. Back in a moment. Cougar Nation. The Cougars picked it up, and in overtime, they won it. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. Hit up those phone lines, Cougar Nation, 801-575-8255. Every week here on Cougar Nation, Monday nights, this part of the show, we'll get to your phone calls. Just quick note here, September 2nd, BYU Sam Houston. You can hear the game here on KSL News Radio at 8.15 p.m. BYU rolling out a new striped look for the stadium. They're hoping for fans to wear royal blue or white shirts. Real quick, do you like that, Matt? I don't like it because I have no faith in our beloved Cougar Nation to get the information and to yes. follow the stripes. I think we've seen that. I, look, I like an all one color look. I just until proven otherwise, 
and maybe it's in two weeks. I feel like the striped look is uh, it's a tall task. Let's get out to the phone line and bring in, when you talk about aesthetic and brand, got Brandon. He wants to hit on the brand of the Big 12. What do you got, Brandon? Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. How are you doing? Doing really great. Well, first off, I uh, love listening to you guys. Love, love listening to the show on Saturday, and so I'm happy to be with you. Um, I had mainly kind of a, uh, a Big 12 question. Obviously, next year, lots of things are going to change even more at the Big 12. I know you guys had discussed, Brett Yormark has discussed, like a, a whole Big 12 brand um, makeover, kind of. I wanted to ask you guys, first off, do you think a name change is going to happen with the Big 12 and second, do you guys have any ideas in the world of what that what that name change could be? Thanks for that call, Brandon. I, I do expect a name change from Brett Yormark and his team. Uh, they've tweaked some of the the branding of the, of the league. You know, it was interesting last summer when I was out there in Texas for uh, the Big Twelve Spring uh, Big Twelve meetings with when Bob Bowlesby was the commissioner. They were pretty adamant to stay with the Roman numerals Big Twelve. I get the sense that your mark is going to maybe make a change. He's oh, a yeah. big brand guy, and I think the Big 12 brand, I think Cougar Nation loves the Big 12 brand, and they love that BYU's part of this thing, but at the same time, the brand of this league has always been reactionary, and for perception is always king in college sports. Your mark has done an incredible job to rewrite that, but I would expect a name change. I think there's definitely going to be uh, a change for the league. What the name will be, I, I don't know. I think you try to stay away from numbers. Don't go with something like the American, like the, what the AAC has, but I do expect a league name change uh, going forward for the Big 12. Uh, let's get to the phone line again. We've got Justin in Sandy. What is the leash of Keaton Slovis? Jay Mason, what do you got? First time, long time here. Uh, love what you're doing. I just everybody's got the blue goggles on. Everybody's excited for this year. I'm excited for this year. But say week one and two, Slovis struggles. Say Arkansas blows us out of the water. Heading into league play, where does his where does his leash lie? Until so we have to uh, try and mix it up. They don't make a leash long enough. I'll answer that right now. I think I think the leash is a mile long for Keen Slovis. I've got no indication that they have, have any doubt in his skill set. They love the leadership that he brings. And, I, and quite frankly, I haven't seen anything from anyone behind him that makes me feel like he's getting pushed. That's not to say Jake Retzlaff or Cade Finnegan or Ryder Burton down the road can't be great BOU quarterbacks. But in this camp, Justin, Slovis has been head and shoulders the best quarterback in the room. And that's one thing, too, Matt, that I'm kind of curious to see what happens with that second quarterback. You know, it's expected Retzlaff's going to be that QB2. Aaron Roderick, though, told me a couple weeks ago in camp that uh, he doesn't feel any pressure as far as a deadline to get that set, which to me means this is going to be a competition that maybe behind the scenes, as long as Slovis doesn't get hurt, yep. this is going to be a daily deal where those – backups are vying to win that number two job hopefully you get to see Rhett's laugh a little bit against Sam Houston that means BYU's rolling uh, against the Bearcats from Conference USA and then maybe week two against Southern Utah as well uh, but one thing I will say coming out of fall camp I don't know who is maybe the future QB1 if I had to say down the road to me it's Ryder Burton I don't know if there's any other guy that I look at and say that's a future star quarterback for the Cougars but Burton 
is not even 18 yet. He turns 18 later this week. It's still going to take some time for him as he continues to get up to speed with D1 football. We're loving the calls, Cougar Nation. And everyone who's called in so far, you guys are awesome. We love we love hearing from Cougar Nation. And you got a few more minutes to call in, 801-575-8255. Right now, let's continue the phone calls. Dave, what do you got, Dave? Hey, how you guys doing? Great. What's up? Awesome. Hey, I'm so excited for the season. It's so fun to actually have something to cheer for week to week. And I do have to say I loved Independence. I think that was absolutely the right call for us to do at the time. Uh, and I'm uh, so glad that we didn't uh, go back to the Mountain West. But I did want to ask you, and actually uh, I could see us possibly even playing Utah in a bowl game this year because, I, you know, the powers of V could, could say, hey, let's, uh, let's line them up in the Independence Bowl together. But what are your thoughts as far as, uh, defense goes, and, and there's a lot of talk about maybe the defense isn't doing quite as well as they were hoping, and just wondering what your thoughts are, if, uh, if you feel like this year we'll be able to see a noticeable difference from uh, the last few years, or if it's going to take a couple years to get there. Dave, thanks for the call. I do think it's going to take time as far as getting the type of personnel Jay Hill wants into this program. I think you know some of the returning lettermen, they're guys that maybe scheme, they were in a scheme the last few years that Honestly, was probably not worthy of being on a, in a Power Five setting. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of almost having to recalibrate though everything that they learn, tearing it down and building it back up with Jay Hill. So there has been some miscues. It's been noticeable, but I think a guy like Tyler Batty at defensive end is going to see significant growth. He has to if he wants to be in the NFL. He to me has to be a ten sack guy this year. BYU hasn't had a double digit sack artist since 2015 against Bronson Kafusi, but this defense will put him in situations to make plays. Even Kelly Papinga told me this is a defense that's going to allow him to simply go tee off and go get that quarterback. They're simplifying things. There is a complicated component to this defense where they're going to have a lot of different looks. But I think for players like Batty, for players like Ben Bywater, Bywater, they are simplifying this to get the most out of these guys to make plays, which is something that was missing last season from the defense. The good news is, though, there's – you can't go backwards. That's the thing. And any, I agree. It, it, even if they are an average defense, let's say they're top 60, Mitch, that is a remarkable improvement from what they did last year. Because listen to this. These are some very interesting stats here. Defensively last year, BOU was 117th in the country in points allowed per drive, 97th in yards per play, and 114th in available yards gained per play. Like, any metric you want to use and slice and dice, this defense was bad. And so, look, I think we'd all love overnight for this defense to get back to what we saw in the Bronco era, which was at times a top 10 defense. That's not going to happen. But if this defense can finish somewhere in total defense around, what, 50, 60, 70, maybe that's enough to get you to 7-5, and 8-4, and four, which would be a great year. 801-575-8255. Hit us up if you want to get in on this first edition of Cougar Nation. But going back to the defense, I do think personnel-wise, it will take time. And I think you're seeing inroads with what Jay Hill's doing on the recruiting front. You got Therian Alexander, a cornerback from Georgia, who had Power 5 offers. He's in the 2024 recruiting class. You also got Jonathan Caballa from Texas, who had a list of P5 offers. This coaching staff on the defensive side is a lot more aggressive on the recruiting trail than maybe what we've seen in years past. Because if you're going to win a Big 12 conference, you have to consistently, to me, be a top 35, top 40 recruiting program if you want any shot 
to be a conference champion in this league. So that's going to be the goal. And Jay Hill, one of the best recruiters out West. When he was at Utah, he was considered one of the top recruiters in the Pac-12 conference. So there's a pedigree there with Jay Hill, and he is aggressive. The way he assembled this defensive personnel this season, it was a little bit cutthroat where they were recruiting over some guys or having hard conversations saying, hey, this is where it stands. You're probably not going to play this year. And they had to have those difficult conversations to get the necessary talent in here to put them in a spot that they can win ball games in year one in the Big 12. Yeah, let's not underestimate the job he's done now. You talked about the future. Well, what about the now? Like, on the starting unit, A.J. Vong-Pachon. No question. Jay Hill brought him in. Eddie Heckard, Jay Hill brought him in. Jackson Cravens, Jackson Cravens. with Kelly Papinga. Zay Bagna, uh, also with Kelly Papinga. That's four guys, and there could be even more that are in that top 11 defensively that are new to the team this year. So he's made a remarkable uh let me back up. Remarkles might be too strong of a word, but he's done a very nice job at bringing in as much talent as possible while all knowing that it's going to take a couple of years to get exactly the personnel he wants to run his scheme. It's hard to come up with a negative thing to say yet about Jay Hill. Totally. I think he's won the offseason. He's done a great job in camp. There has been moments where this defense has looked behind on the on, compared to the well, offense. Well, they should. But, and as they should because yeah. I think this offense, they have an identity. The defense, we don't know what it is yet, but there's a it's trending up. It feels like it's going in the right direction, and BYU is going to be better off in the long run with this group. I think Jay Hill was a home run hire this offseason, and I think BYU is going to be well served having him in this program for hopefully for the Cougars' sake years to come because yeah. he's a heck of a coach. And look, a lot of those names that I just ripped off, they weren't they weren't playing in spring football. And Keaton Slovis and a lot of the offensive guys were. Aiden Robbins wasn't, but the defense, I'm I'm not going to be concerned until I see what happens after the first couple weeks. Big thanks to our producer, Nate Slack. Big thanks to you, Matt. And big thanks to you, Cougar Nation, for this first edition of the show. Again, Monday, 6 to 7, every week. It's Cougar Nation, and it's right here on the legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio.